You are listening to a Commonwealth Bank of Australia Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. This podcast provides general market-related information and is not intended to be an investment research report. The information contained in this podcast is based on previously published material, and before listening, you're advised to read the full Global Economic and Markets Research Disclaimers, which can be found at combankresearch.com.au. Welcome to the Global Economic and Markets Research Podcast. My name is Belinda Allen and I'm a Senior Economist here at ComBank and today I'm joined by Kim Mundy, my fellow Senior Economist in the International Economics and FX team. Kim, good to have you on, albeit over the phone. Yes, lovely to be with you back from a distance. Yes, yes, obviously, uh, given we are both in Sydney and subject to the current restrictions. Now, Kim, today we're going to talk about uh, the outlook for the world economy, taking a break about what's happening uh, locally here in Australia Mm -hmm. and what it means for central banks. So you've just upgraded uh, your views for the global economy. How is it looking at the moment? Yes, we have. So we've upgraded our 2021 growth forecast to 6.8%. And we've also upgraded our 2022 forecast to 4.2%. So that upgrade really just reflects the fact that we've seen a a rapid acceleration in vaccinations um, in many major economies. And that's really just paving the way for life to return to normal. So we are seeing big jumps and particularly consumption activity Mm. as a result of that. And what does it mean for central banks? We've seen financial markets uh, over the course of 2020. One, get quite excited about the outlook for inflation. Has that meant you've had to change how central banks will react to the evolving economic environment and the outlook for inflation? Yeah, it's been very interesting. So financial markets have basically drawn a straight line from economies are recovering to that must mean higher inflation and higher interest rates. Um, But it's worth keeping in mind that central banks' monetary policy frameworks uh, have, have really changed lately. So I guess a lesson that they learned post the GFC era was that inflation and wages are less responsive to tightness in labour markets and strong economic activity than previously thought. So central banks have really said, look, now we're going to actually wait for inflation outcomes, not just inflation lifting in our forecast, before we tighten policy. So it suggests that central banks are going to wait for longer than they would have previously before they start tightening uh, monetary policy, even though we are seeing the global economy improving. But there is some evidence that, at least in some countries, that that preference to wait is being a bit tested. Now, we'll get to the outlook for the large economies uh very shortly. What we're seeing though post-pandemic is a very different role of government in each country. So here in in Australia, for example, the federal government and the state governments in recent budgets have shown they are willing to keep expansionary fiscal policy in place for longer. So their role in the demand management of the economy has certainly increased and some changes around the opinions of debt and deficit. How is that looking internationally? Is that kind of the same thematic that you're seeing? Yeah, absolutely. It's been quite a broad trend across all the economies we monitor. Definitely that's a step up in the size of the government since the pandemic. And it is most definitely a a major upside risk to inflation outlook because obviously post the GFC, we didn't have that active government um, role. In fact, you know, a lot of governments actually withdrew stimulus, arguably too soon. Yeah. 
the question is whether or not that's going to be a permanent shift. Um, and it's, it's really not clear at this stage whether it will. But we do think that there, you know, there are still ongoing political constraints that can limit the degree of government spending. Um, and we think that that can just temper that government spending going forward. Now, let's start with the US economy. They've certainly uh, had a rapid vaccination rollout. What Mm. is their growth profile looking at for this year and next? We've upgraded our US economic forecast quite robustly for 2021. So we're now expecting a 6% lift over the year um, compared to what we previously had penciled in as 4.9%. As you said, uh, that rapid vaccination is really playing into those higher forecasts, but so is very loose monetary and fiscal mm. policy and also the fact that the, the economy is reopening, which is paving the way for, for people to get out there and spend that money that they've saved during the pandemic. I guess it's worth pointing out that there are still some headwinds um, and you know we don't expect the, F- the FMC to adjust monetary policy, uh, particularly anytime soon. Um, and that's really just because there's still excess labour market flat and so far, the increases in, in inflation that we have seen are, have really been quite narrowly based. You do you have changed uh, your view on the US Federal Reserve, though. So it looks like now you expect them to taper their uh, monthly bond buying purchases earlier than what you thought before and also put some rate hikes in there. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the reasons behind that is that the FMC is one of those central banks that's just looking like maybe uh, isn't going to be as tolerant to inflation overshoot than we previously uh, thought. Now, we do think that the FMC will taper its asset purchase program first. We think that'll be the first in sort of the the uh, list of, of, I guess, hurdles that have to be gone gone through before we actually get to a tightening in the Fed funds rate. So we expect the FRC to announce its intent to taper in September and to actually start tapering in October. Once the FRC finishes that tapering, we expect uh, the, the tightening cycle will start about six months after that. So that will be in March 2023. At the moment, our profile is for the Fed funds rate to hit 1.5% in 2024. We do note that that is a little bit more aggressive than market pricing currently. And in terms of the balance sheet, because obviously when you talk about monetary policy these days, there's a whole lot of different elements Mm. that you've got to consider. Uh, We don't expect the FMC to talk about shrinking its balance sheet until at least 2024. So it's still a, a long road to tightening. Now, in Canada, we've actually seen the Bank of Canada to be one of the first central banks that we monitor to taper its asset purchases. Has that really been driven by the improvement in the Canadian economy? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, monetary policy normalisation is already underway in Canada and that has been helped by the fact that we've seen much faster than expected increase in vaccination. Um, Also, the fact that the US economy has rebounded a lot quicker than expected is really supportive the Canadian export. Mm. Um, we did see a bit of a surge in coronavirus cases earlier in uh, the year in Canada, but at this stage it doesn't look like it's disrupted Canada's economic recovery. Looking at the chart, they've certainly had one of the fastest vaccine rollouts out of all the countries. Yeah, it's, it was a little bit slow to um, take off, but once it 
once it took off, it's really flowing. And so that's going to be incredibly supportive for the uh, economic outlook over the rest of 2021. We do still think it's going to take some time to erode the excess economic slack in Canada, but there are actually some upside risks to inflation emerging, which we're watching quite closely. One of those being sort of the risk that we see some demand pull inflation from the higher oil prices at the moment. Now, turning our attention to China, obviously we saw the Chinese economy uh, recover the fastest and the earliest out of all the major economies that we monitor uh, in Mm. 2020. And the growth profile for 2021 still looks strong. But we have a below consensus forecast in for 2022. What's the story there? Yeah, so I think China really stands out at the moment because the economic recovery is largely complete. So the focus for um, policymakers has really shifted to reducing financial risk. Mm. And as a result of that, we do think there'll be a shift in the growth outlook back in line with sort of more longer run um, potential of around 1.5% per quarter. And so that's really driving our outlook for a moderation in growth in 2022. Now, in Japan, uh, it's obviously one of the countries that we're less optimistic about over the short and medium term. What has mm-hmm. been driving uh, the economy in Japan? Yeah, so we have actually downgraded our uh, economic forecast in Japan. And that's really just a reflection of the fact that Japan has still been impacted quite heavily by uh, COVID, high COVID infections and We've seen a third state of emergency being triggered um, in Japan, and that's really just delaying the economic recovery there. You've also got the fact that, uh, you know, there's elevated virus concerns, especially around the Olympics and the fact that, you know, there's going to be a lot of foreigners heading to Mm. Japan um, to compete in the Tokyo Olympics. And in our view, that could actually delay some of the recovery in consumer spending and so further delay the recovery in Japan's economy. And I think if you look from the Bank of Japan's point of view, look, Japan still stands out because although we're starting to see inflation sort of uh, picking up in a lot of economies we monitor, it's still very much dead in the water in Japan. And so given that, we're not expecting the Bank of Japan to tighten monetary policy over our forecast horizon. Now, turning our attention to the Eurozone, uh, their economy was obviously hit quite badly in 2020 just because of the size of the COVID outbreak. How is the recovery taking place there? Yeah, I mean, it is starting to improve and it's a really good sign, especially because we have seen quite an increase in vaccinations lately. Mm. But the Eurozone does stand out. I mean, GDP has fallen out of four of the five last quarters, whereas in many other economies, it was only a one or two quarter sharp fall before the recovery was underway. I mean... High savings and easing restrictions are still going to support a rebound in consumption. It's just that that recovery is happening a bit later than some of the other economies that we monitor. You've also got to remember that there's an 800 billion euro recovery and resilience plan, and that's really going to help support that recovery as well. But I think given how how hard the virus impacted the eurozone economy, tightening is still a way off there. And finally, the UK economy, what has been happening in the UK? They've obviously had a quite uh, speedy vaccination rollout and high vaccination rates. Is that likely to help drive the UK economic recovery? Yeah, that's really underpinning our view for um, the recovery in the Eurozone, so uh, in the UK. So we've seen a consumption-led recovery at the moment. And again, 
thanks to those high vaccination rates, high household savings, um, and the fact that the economy is finally starting to reopen again. So people have more opportunities to go out and spend money. I would say there's still quite a bit of uncertainty on the economic outlook in the UK, though, especially how the economy is going to react to the end of the furloughed worker scheme. So that's coming to an end in September. And at the moment, um, it's, it's highly likely that we actually see a little bit of a re-weakening in the UK labour market just as uh, businesses and workers adjust to, the, to that scheme running out. And that's really one of the reasons why we think the Bank of England is going to continue to remain quite uh, cautious to mm. unwind policy support, even if we do see quite a sharp pickup in activity in the next couple of quarters. All right, Kim, it's been great to get your views of what is happening around the major economies, even though it's probably still going to be a while before we can visit them. Unfortunately, that's looking like it'll be the case. Thanks for having me today, Belinda. Thanks, Kim. And you can read uh, our report on the outlook for the world economy and implications for central banks, which was published on the 22nd of June 2021 on combankresearch.com.au. 